Hello and welcome to another episode of A Pastor and His People. I am Pastor Dave Keene here with Daniel Huddleston. Daniel, hello. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. So you had the great and glorious honor preaching the the Sunday after Christmas. It was great. It was, it was great. It was packed house. Packed it was, house. It was, it was, Elbow to elbow, it was a, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, you had nothing to do the day before, so all you had time in the world is just to prep <laughs> and to think right. about it. I was just wasting time, you know. It was uh, it was great. <laughs> the, Lord gave, the Lord gave much grace. Well, pra- pra- praise the Lord. Well, yes. I am grateful that you handled the word so well, and Thank you. Uh, it's a wonderful passage of scripture that you got a chance to teach, and uh, Psalm twenty-two, a Psalm of, of David. And really, you had uh, two major points, kind of to kind of mm-hmm. uh, set up the whole entire psalm. What were the two main themes that you were trying to draw out? The two main themes were: this psalm is almost two psalms sandwiched together. I mean, you have the first half that where David is in pain. And let me just make an aside note: the week before, when you were preaching on pain, I had been looking at Psalm twenty-two, and I'm like. I might have been squirming because you were like pain, pain, suffering. I'm like, <laughs> he is laying a wonderful framework and groundwork for next yes, week. Yes, yes. No, no, but like when you look at Psalm 22, it really is that. It's the first half is he's crying out to God. Like he, he's in some situation, some scenario where he's threatened. And once I, I made this point, but David, the man after God's own heart, I think he was accustomed. He, was, he would cry out to God. God would hear him. He was the favorite of God, chosen of God. But he's crying out. And he's looking around and nothing about his situation is changing. So the first part was he's, it was a prayer of pain. He's crying out and he's just feeling isolated. He's, he feels like he's on his own. And then in verse 21, the psalm shifts and the rest of it's like it's, um, it, the first part is a psalm of lament and like the second is just a psalm of praise. It just skyrockets. And it's because, and he all but says it, you have rescued me. And so he just crescendos the rest of the psalm. Lord, you have heard my prayer. You came to my aid. It was the 11th hour, and I thought I was doomed. And Yahweh, you saved me. You came to my rescue. And so the second half was a prayer of praise. Very simple outline, but prayer of pain, prayer of praise. Yeah, and I think if you look at a lot of the psalms have this structure, right? Mm-hmm. They have your complaint. They have the, 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 the pain I'm in. Here's the situation I need help in, Lord. And then there's a pivot right there in the middle of the psalm, yet I will praise you. You know, yet I'm going yes. to trust you because of what you've what you've done. So let's just kind of talk about this a little bit. Um, we, we, you know, let me just kind of read a few first couple of verses. Yeah. You kind of spent a lot of time here. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, and but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. That's a very common experience where lots of people in a lot of Christians, right? They cry out to God, but they don't feel that the Lord hears. Yeah. Why is it important to understand that the people in the scriptures experienced God in sometimes the same way as we do? Well, it's important to remember that these were real people. These weren't just individuals up on a stained glass wall. These weren't just, these weren't somehow people who had everything together, who had everything perfected. One of the most encouraging things to me, Dave, when you look and you open the Bible, is that it's real emotion, especially when it comes to the Psalms. You open it up and it's people crying out, questioning, doubting God. And God is always able to handle any emotion that we send his way. But when we, when, when David is crying out, he's, he's experiencing this emotion of, I think, what we all feel at times. Because 
like the scriptures say, we walk by faith and not by sight. I can see you right now. You're wearing a wonderful, gifted Cubs head, it looks like. I can see you. I can relate to you. I can talk to you. But the way that the Lord has chosen our interaction to be with him now is through faith. And so it makes sense when I'm walking with him and we all, to one degree or another, and we have to kind of retrain our brains from this, we have this formula because you, you see it in even the disciples struggle with this in John 9. Well, Lord, who sinned this man or his parents that he would be experiencing this form of judgment? Yes, you see in the scriptures and especially in Proverbs, axioms of wisdom that if you work hard, often you will be blessed. Deuteronomy 28, blessings and cursings. But there's also an equally valid reality, and I mentioned this on Sunday, where sometimes you will be suffering, and it has nothing to do with whether or not God loves you or whether or not you're right where he wants you to be. Sometimes, because we live in a fallen world, you will feel more distant from him. But because of what he has done for us, and this kind of gets ahead of ourselves, but but because of what he's done for us and his love for us, I can know that he is with me, which is a huge comfort. When those tragedies strike, when those times come of confusion, of feeling like the world is spinning, just like, and I didn't mention this on Sunday, but it just, it makes me think of Mark 4, when the storm came up in the boat. And if you, if you remember in Mark's account, they wake the Lord up and their question to him is, Lord, don't you care? Yeah. It's all, that, I think that's just as a human and as a fallen um, reflection of his image, that's our, 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 our tendency and our, we were prone to doubt his goodness and his character. I'm going through X, so therefore, what have I done wrong? You might have. Sometimes it is a form of judgment. And sometimes it's not because God's working out tons of things around your life. Second Corinthians 1, he might be putting you through this specifically so you can comfort someone else down the line. Yeah, well, I think you know, what often happens in, in our, our fleshy response to pain is, is a, we feel, like you said, abandoned. We feel abandoned by God. You've forsaken me. Where are you, Lord? Right? Don't you care? Right? I think that's the, that's the natural human response. But knowing the word that says, I'm with you always, uh, even to the end of the age, and sometimes I'm using the suffering in your life to prune you, uh, to root out maybe sinful thoughts and attitudes in your own heart, or to reveal your grace to others. Yesterday I spent some time with a man dying of cancer, uh, nearing the end of his life, and thinking about pain and suffering, obviously, because of Sunday. And I just said, you know, what's happening to you, how you handle this cancer, how you have hope in the midst of death, is going to speak to your to your children who don't yet know the Lord, right? To your mm-hmm. to your family, to to the nurses who come in to see you, have hope, right? Uh, God is with us, and sometimes God allows pain in our life so that we would seek Him, right? I think sometimes, and I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, that pain sometimes awakens us from our complacency, right? And we just kind of we pursue God again, right? Yeah. Or we're awakened, you know. And we know that this you did a good job in the Psalm showing the. The, the, the human intent or the, the original hearers, right? Mm-hmm. This is David's experience. Yeah. David's experience in the first half. David's experience in the second half. But this really is a, David was foreshadowing another day, right? You know, and even uh, Jesus being on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's almost like what they used to do in the Old Testament, right? Quoting the whole entire Psalm. So by him saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is kind of bringing to mind the entire of Psalm 22, to all those who are hearing. And they would have known it. Oh, right? absolutely. 
they would have known it. And there was, there was so much richness in the psalm that we didn't have time to draw. But you're absolutely right. Him just confessing those first few words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He would have identified with David in being an innocent sufferer. And also, their minds, like you just said, they would have instantly known how this psalm goes. They would, have, they would, have, they would know that David suffered unjustly, but he was victorious in the end. Yeah. And so while Jesus is hanging on the cross, and from a human vantage point, from a human perspective, boy, he, he, he was defeated. There's a victorious tone coming that we know ultimately alludes to Sunday and the resurrection, which is, which is fantastic. And like you were saying, the writers of the Gospels didn't do this by act. They, they didn't write haphazardly. Like even when we went through and we, we noticed the similarities, Matthew's writing primarily to show Jesus as the Messiah to a Jewish audience. He's taking Psalm 22 and mirroring so much of the experience of the mocking yeah. and everything going down. And you get to that climax of, my God, my God. And it's just to the Hebrew audience that would have been shouting off of the page. Yeah, and I think, you know, understand this, uh, beloved, as you're listening to this. The way the New Testament writers write, they're writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But like Daniel said, they're not writing haphazardly. You know, you know Matthew could have used a different phrase than wagging their heads. Mm-hmm. But he didn't, right? Like he used that word specifically to, to bring them back, right, to Psalm 22. You know, there's certain psalms in the Old Testament that would have meant more to Jewish people, certain individuals like David and Moses, and to draw those out, even at, at his death, I mean, it would have been very clear that, that this is being spoken about the Messiah, yeah. right? That this David's experience as the forecoming, that David and one day the son of David is going to experience the same thing. Um, yeah, I thought, that, I thought you did a wonderful job here. Oh, now, one of the things I've always appreciated about the Lord Jesus, right, is he's about to die. He's going to the cross. Um, you know, he, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and I've always said, okay, if he's quoting this psalm, right, he's about, he's, he's experiencing the abandonment of God. He's experiencing the wrath of God. He's feeling that, that, that separation. And at the same time, because he's kind of drawing us attention to the whole entire psalm, 22, he's also speaking about the hope of the resurrection. Yes. You want to draw that out for me a little bit? Yeah, just kind of what I was mentioning just a little bit ago. The audience and the hearers, even when he mentions that first line, their mind goes to Psalm 22. And in the in the formatting of Psalm 22, the first half being devastating uh, feelings of abandonment, looking like it's um, it's all over. And then I think the affirming, even when you look at Psalm 22 and David, God steps in and rescues. He intervenes. And what do we have in the resurrection except Christ victoriously, the resurrection being God's stamp of approval on him that, yes, this is my son. This is my Messiah. This is the way, the truth, and the life. So, yeah, I just think that their minds going to Psalm 22 when they would have, you just got to think too, man. I mean, like, I wonder, like, the post-resurrection as they're making, as they're connecting all of these dots. Gosh, I saw him on the cross. He yelled this out. And then his followers are proclaiming his resurrection. Like all of these things would have been flashers uh, and indicators that yes, God blessed him. God was on his side and God is designating him, designating him shouting that he is my chosen one. Yeah. I love how the author of Hebrews kind of draws this out, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
It's so in Hebrews two it says, "For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering." So this is the same idea. The founder of our, our, our salvation, Jesus Christ, has made made us perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies, and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. So even there, I think what, you know, this is why I love that connection. So he's talking about the resurrection or the, the suffering of the cross, reminding that this, this was preordained, mm-hmm. that I was going to suffer and die. But I also am preordained to rise from the dead. Right, so oh, yeah. for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Why? Because he was going to bring many sons to glory through his suffering. That is why he's going to stand in the midst of the congregation and not be ashamed to call us brothers. Mm-hmm. You know that the fact that Jesus Christ is our elder brother, right, and that he's able to say, "No, I, Daniel, Dave, you know, Jen, Mary, mm-hmm. Bill, you are, you belong to me, right? You, know, you are, you are my family." You know, and I'll never leave you. For I just, I just, I love that. Even on the cross, experiencing the abandonment of God, He's giving hope to His, to His hearers. Yeah, and and just kind of mentioning this, and like what you had said, we can't be shocked when we go through anything, and even more, even more than just being surprised, we should count it as a blessing. There's that passage in Acts; they went out rejoicing that they were counted yeah. worthy to suffer for the name. I, and, I would just add, like even Philippians one twenty nine has always like really resonated with me. For it was granted to you not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his name. Yeah. So we think about it, it's been granted, it's been gifted to us, it's been given, we've been given grace to believe. We've been graced to suffer. Do we right? see it as a gift? I, I don't think that we do. I, I mean, like, even in America, I mean, here in our culture, and like when you preach on it, it still feels like we're trying to push it off. You know, yes, suffering may come, but maybe it'll be later. Maybe, I, I don't think there's an embracing of it, and, and certainly at least in my own heart, like seen as a gift. Well, I think here's part of the things I've been thinking because about. Because of what it will produce, it will conform me more to the image of Christ. Well, uh, amen, right? And like if that's our aim goal, or if our aim of life is not happiness, right, and comfort, if the aim of our life is God's glory and well, holiness, then, and holiness yeah. well, then we will do whatever God wants us to do to be holy, right? Mm-hmm. And we will rejoice in that. It may not be like, like even what the author of Hebrews says, that discipline does not seem fun at the time, but it kind of sows seeds of righteousness. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, is how much of our worldly ideas and ideology affects us in ways we don't realize. Hmm. And I think this can really draw us out when it comes to our world's aim is happiness and our, the ultimate thing is your pleasure, right? Whatever is going to give you happiness or pleasure, that's what you should delight in. Immediate pleasure. Immediate pleasure. You did a great yeah. job there. Yeah. Um, we, our family had a situation recently who, um, where there was some challenges for a lack of, mm-hmm. and, and we had to use some patience, right? So I appreciated <laughs> your, your message for Sunday. Um, but, but I think about this, this idea of how much of us has been influenced by the world because we, we are breathing the air that says happiness and comfort, happiness and comfort. And even though we don't, no, we know that not to be true. It still affects our personality. It affects our desires. So when suffering comes, we're still shocked and surprised, even though the Bible is very clear that it is for our good and God is going to use it to sanctify us, is going to refine us. And yet when it comes, we're upset and overwhelmed. Yeah, and much like being a sports fan, the hardest thing to have always is perspective. 
is, is to see past today and to see the bigger, grander scope of what God's doing. I love Piper's quote of God's probably doing 10,000 things in your life, and at any given time, you might be aware of three of them. I'm connected to you in an incredible way in the fellowship and community of the saints. We're all connected to each other. And so if I'm only looking at myself and only looking at what I'm going through and not even examining it in the lens of how it might help just the body here at Park, then I'm going to be limited. I'm going to be skewed in seeing the big picture. Kind of like what you were talking about, the immediate gratification. I'm supposed to be storing up treasure in heaven. Like whatever this life is looking like, brick by brick. I want to be, I want to be laying up a, a treasure in heaven that moth nor rust can't get to or destroy. And if that means suffering, and for some of us it means suffering more than others, on that day, it's going to be worth it all. Here, it might, it might, it might be strenuous. It might, it, it might be tough. But the Lord has promised that it's going to be worth it, in least of which, because it pleases His heart, and I'm going to look more like Him on that day, which is the ultimate goal. But from iPhones to technology, you've said this before, and it's, some things just stick. Of course, many things from your sermon stick. But one thing, one thing that definitely has stuck is. It's the air that we breathe in, the culture, just like when you did that renovation project or whatever. Yeah. And we have to be careful. Are, am I only looking for today, or am I thinking about how it hopefully will bless others, and in the grand scheme of things, what it will, how it will affect things on that last day? Amen. Well, as we think about kind of this Psalm 22, uh, any final applications? Like, hey, here's some things I just want to maybe, you know, drive home a little bit further that you know didn't wasn't able to get to it on Sunday. Any further applications or points from the sermon that you want to draw out? Absolutely. Primarily just one, and I touched on it very briefly, but just because God seems absent, once again, it doesn't mean that he is. There's many times in scripture where God has chosen to hide himself, but he's very much in the location of where things are happening. Even, even with Golgotha, there's nothing in scripture that says that God turned, turned his face away and was up by Pluto or Neptune and just like, there's nothing, and I was thinking about this, and I didn't want to, especially when you get into the Holy of Holies of, of the cross, want to go into it too much without thinking about it. But there's no doubt that the Father and the Spirit and the Son were all there at Golgotha. Yeah. Whatever the tension looked like, and it's so interesting to think about, the separation between the Father and the Son. It's, like, it's almost like the, for that brief period of time, there was a separation and there was a tension that was going. The father didn't run away because the father loved the son. The father was, the son was taking the full wrath of the sins of you and me from the father. Yeah. But it wasn't a lack of love. It, it was the it was the enjoyment in the presence of his love. But just no matter what we're going through, and that's why just kind of the concluding statement at the end on Sunday, because Jesus went through this, because he was forsaken, we never will be. I can be whatever. It looked like for David, whether he or not he actually was, we're not sure. We know Jesus was, but for us now, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's that text in Hebrews 13 that's quoted from Joshua. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So whatever we go through, whatever our emotions are trying to tell us or our external thinking, you can rest assured that Christ is with you. He will not leave you. The only thing that affects that joy of the fellowship is our own sin. So keep short accounts, love him, and walk with him daily. Yeah, praise God. And I think we can just drive that point home. You know, many of you may go through these seasons, but we just have to always remember that God is with us. 
Amen. God is with us. Emmanuel. That's Amen. Emmanuel. That's the season. And there's a reason why we celebrate Christmas. The reason why we, we have the emotions that we do around this holiday is because mm-hmm. our God came from glory to be with us, mm-hmm. right? So that we would never be alone. You know, I love how First Thessalonians 4 and 5 kind of draw this point out, right? Encouraging with the gospel is that, you know, because one day we're going to be called up to be with him and we will always, he'll always be with us forevermore. So it's a powerful, powerful message. So we pray that you are encouraged, uh, beloved, by Psalm 22. I encourage you, if you haven't listened to it or missed Sunday because of travel, go back and listen to the sermon and, and be encouraged that although life may be painful, uh, we can praise God because he's with us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who endured uh, suffering on the cross uh, so that we can experience uh, a resurrection. We thank you that you are not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters uh, in you. We pray, God, that you would help us fully and always understand that you are always with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.